0: Welcome visionaries, innovators, and change makers, to Season 2 of the Value-Based Healthcare Podcast. This is New Frontiers. We're taking you on an expedition into the evolving landscape of healthcare, exploring the most innovative solutions to healthcare plan challenges, cutting-edge healthcare technology, and new perspectives that present groundbreaking ideas. So join us as we unveil the future of healthcare in ways you've never seen before. Welcome to the Value-Based healthcare podcast. Joining us today, we have an innovator, a visionary, leading a company that is exploring new frontiers in healthcare and cognitive development. Paolo Perjanian is the founder and CEO of Embodied. Founded in 2016, Embodied is an industry-leading robotics and AI company, creating state-of-the-art companion robots to revolutionize care and wellness by enhancing quality of life for individuals and their families. They developed Moxie, a revolutionary companion robot for children designed to help promote social, emotion, emotional, and cognitive development through play-based learning and captivating content. i bring Paulo into our podcast today. Welcome to our podcast, Paulo. It's so great to be together again with you.
1: Thank you, Jay. Likewise, I appreciate you inviting me to this.
0: Been looking forward to it since our first conversation back in January. So um, let's get started. I have a few questions uh, really about your background and your experience within healthcare. So first, how about a high level story on your background, how you came to be leading a software and hardware company trying to support behavioral health?
1: Well, uh, so I'm a PhD in AI and robotics, uh, graduated in Denmark. I moved to the U.S. to work at NASA JPL, which was a childhood dream job to work for NASA. I worked on Mars rovers. Uh, Shortly thereafter, I got sucked into entrepreneurship, actually, because of Idea Lab in Pasadena, which is one of the earliest incubators by Bill Gross, who has uh, created many companies. He wanted to start a robotics company, which sounded enticing and i uh, joined him founded a company that got acquired by irobot if you have a roomba i'm partially guilty of uh, the results of that and uh, did that for about 10 years actually we shipped like 20 million plus robots and that was exciting Uh, but there was part of me that always wanted to help children and uh, this is informed by my own childhood which we don't need to get into today (laughs) but i really wanted to see if we can uh, take uh, the latest advancements in ai and create a compassionate patient and adorable uh lifelong learning companion for children that's going to help them uh develop their heart their mind and eventually also physically uh, help them with healthy living choices.
0: Well, that's an amazing background, Paulo. Uh, and thanks for the, the quick intro on Embodied. Maybe just to double click on that, could you give us the, uh, if you're talking to somebody new about Embodied, can you share your elevator pitch?
1: Yeah, we are basically building a uh, companion robot for children that's gonna help them develop emotionally So a lot to do with mental health and learning skills that we, in layman terms, would refer to as EQ skills, emotional intelligence skills, Uh, social skills, uh, emotional regulation, mindfulness, positive thinking, and all of the good things that are super important. Uh, We are teaching them social skills of how, how to handle social situations. For instance, if a child is dealing with bullying or some other challenging situation in their life, Moxie, our robot, can actually interact with them and help them understand how to manage this kind of situation. Uh, And there is also fun activities to keep the child engaged. So basically, it's uh, the most advanced AI that has compassion and empathy and has understanding of uh, mental health for children.
0: Uh, well, I applaud what you're doing, uh, and certainly, um, no easy task. And you mentioned AI, so can you uh, can you share a little bit of how you see robotics and AI transforming the healthcare landscape?
1: Well, I th- actually, so the area that, of course, we're focused on, which is companionship, I believe, is a game changer, uh, not only for children. Uh, But throughout our life, I think there's going to be moments where you need some care. Um, As an example, when you start getting into retirement and aging, loneliness is an epidemic uh, that is extremely tough to deal with. Uh, There are many studies that have shown that loneliness leads to a lot of physical health issues and uh, mental health issues and uh, deterioration of health that leading to death uh, in the society we live in today unfortunately if uh, a elderly person in your family lives alone we do not have the time or may not even have the proximity to spend enough time with them and they are lonely um, and when you lose that human connection i believe that you your uh, brain starts disconnecting from life and the desire to want to look forward to the next day. Unless an elderly is physically healthy, active, has hobbies and social connection, it gets really tough. So uh, behavioral health uh, is also suffering from a massive shortage of uh, care providers. Uh, Although Moxie was uh, released and launched for children, we get constantly getting inbound uh, requests from a lot of behavioral health organizations that are catering even the, to the elderly population. And their number one pressing issue is uh, shortage of staff. Uh, so on one hand, you may say it's uh, it's paradoxical to think we can create human connection that's so sensitive uh, with a AI and robots. On the other hand, what other choices do we have? The society is going to need AI to fill in in some of these areas. Uh, so I think mental health uh, and eventually even physical health uh, support will be su- supported by AI. So it's, it's a completely game changer. It's going to transform everything we, we know of today, I believe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, I think social isolation in seniors is a real issue. There are a no- number of companies out there that have models, a uh, number, number of them using um, college students to create companionship for seniors. Those are difficult to scale and there's limitations on availability of individuals. So I think there is another amazing market uh, there for you as uh, as you gain and uh, enjoy the traction that you're seeking to have with, with uh, adolescents. Um, so you're talking AI, 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 everybody's talking AI, everyone's talking generative AI. So how has gener- generative AI changed your view on what robotics are capable of and specifically what you're capable of doing with Embodied.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing AI pretty much all of my career. Uh, and even at Embodied, uh, when we were launching Moxie in 2001, we released Moxie uh, Moxie would probably not be as good as it is today without generative AI. For for instance, one of the key areas where we use generative AI is actually having conversation. You can literally talk to Moxie about anything you want to talk about. Not specific topics, like prior to generative AI, you had to have conversation trees, which are uh, very similar to what you experience when you call a uh, customer support line with with an automated uh, answering service. Very limited, if you go outside of the script, It doesn't know what to do. With generative AI, it allows you to literally have conversation about any topic you want. And you can, these days now with the uh, generative large language models getting better and better, you can go in as much depth as you want. And within the next uh, 12 months, uh, these uh, large language models are going to be infinitely knowledgeable about any topic you want to have conversations about. the other piece is that we are, we have developed our own AI that allows us to infuse empathy and understanding of human emotions and human mental health in there so that uh, the machine is not just a robot with cold, uh, no empathy, and so on. It has to understand humans because a lot of the conversations we are having, uh, there's a lot of very interesting uh, emotional uh needs that we have that we are communicating through the intonation of our voice our body language our facial expression and that's part of what we have done as well is that we have we look not only it's not just a text to text but it's text audio and video we analyze all of that because there's a correlation between what i say and how i say it i could tell you i could text you jay i'm fine and then i could call you and say I'm fine. When you hear the voice, it already gives you a bit more context. And then if you see my body language and if I'm like, I'm fine, I'm like, not fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So so that's one of the things that's super important about what we do is the combination of modalities to understand the entire uh, conversation. Uh, by the way, nonverbal communication contains 93% of the information versus seven percent from text. Ninety-three percent comes from nonverbal cues.
0: Fascinating. Uh, on the um, so on the talking about your your uh, how you're using AI and the ability for uh, Moxie to interact and kind of go off kind of go off script. Uh, I imagine you've also had to do some work to make sure that when it uh, goes down some 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 roads. It doesn't go to places that uh, that could create harm and create you know kind of uh, other other issues kind of unanticipated issues. So can you share a little bit of what you're doing to protect uh, yourself, protect the child and the family using moxie?
1: Absolutely. Uh, especially for our product who is dealing with children, uh, super critical and it's been top of mind for us from the very first day, and I would tell you, an area that I was very paranoid about. Uh, The the easier part was security and privacy. Make sure systems are not gonna be easy to hack, right? So we put a lot of effort in uh, making sure the systems are secure. Every bit of information is encrypted. Every piece of personally identifiable information, PII, is encrypted with a unique key that only the parent has access to. We don't even have access to that. Meaning that if one day someone puts a gun to my head and said, I need this data, I wouldn't be able to give it to them. Uh, The other thing is like vision, the computer vision part of it. We do not push any of that into the cloud. It all gets processed on Moxie itself on the edge. Uh, So that's relatively table stakes, easy part. The part that gets more nuanced is the AI part. How do you assure that... Uh, moxie doesn't say something that could be harmful to a child and and by the way children do confine in moxie about things that they may not even confine to their parents or teachers about uh, right? so super important that we have a safe AI and so we have put a ton of guardrails on, on it uh, things that are explicit uh, clear are easy like if there are profanities easy to detect those if it's about explicitly saying I'm going to commit suicide or want to kill myself, those are relatively easy to detect and uh, prevent or, or uh, redirect the conversation to somewhere positive. Uh, so we have a lot of guardrails that do that. Uh, the part that gets more interesting is when you have nuanced things. What if the child says, I just want to hold my breath for the next 10 minutes? Uh, maybe insinuating I want to kill myself. And you can imagine that language is super complex. You can say the same thing in a million possible ways. So we have intent classifiers that are being trained to detect this kind of nuanced conversations as well. And then you go to even more nuanced area. For instance, we are teaching children about uh, social emotional development but children can talk about anything they want. Uh, what happens if uh, a child wants to talk to Moxie about the Bible? Uh, does Moxie respond to that? What if it was a household that was not uh, Christians, but they were Muslims, and Moxie start talking about the Bible? Uh, is that so? We even have solutions that are uh, sort of protecting the child's norms and values relative to to their culture and and family family values so uh yeah we have fortunately knock on wood until today we have not had a single incident of um anything bad happening
0: that's good to hear um yeah and amazing the amount of work that you've done to anticipate all the um all the avenues um i imagine um as you seek to move ahead and sell to institutions and sell to perhaps to health plans that would make this available for their members, um, people want to talk about success and results. So, how do you think about success of Moxie and being able to communicate that um, to to people who may you know choose to engage with you on a larger scale?
1: Uh, so we had we chose from uh, very early on that our first go-to market is actually going to be direct to consumer. So we are selling directly to parents. That's the majority of our sales. Uh, and the reason for that is twofold. One, uh, we can control that destiny a lot better uh, by going direct to consumers. Uh, secondly, because we know the regulatory regular path can be a very wo- long, winded path and can take a while. And we want to start generating revenues as well as refine the product. Uh, So being in the market for us was super important. And going direct to consumer was the shortcut. Having said that, yes, we do have ambitions on the long run to work with institutions. And the good news is that uh, we have so many inbound interests from hospitals, clinics, uh, behavioral health systems, schools, libraries, Uh, after-school care programs, violence intervention centers, you name it. And we are getting ready for that. For instance, one of the requirements in working with this, as you are, uh, I'm sure, intimately familiar with, is HIPAA compliance. So we have been going through the process of getting HIPAA compliance. We are this close to getting that. Uh, The other part is that there's other requirements, like when you're connecting to the... uh, networking infrastructure of a hospital, there are certain standards and scrutiny you have to go through for them to feel comfortable doing that. And so on. So we are sort of gradually uh, growing a muscle in that direction to be able to serve that market that the interest and the demand is absolutely there. We just got to be ready to be able to serve them.
0: Helpful uh, and really good to hear you share that. Um, I want I want to kind of have one, I think one more question on AI um, and we see this a lot in our business as we seek to deploy AI to make clinicians, reviewers of uh, medical records, more efficient. You know, there's a concern about displacement. Uh, so, what, um, what, what did you do to address concerns, or do, do you see concerns being surfaced from traditional caregivers that see Moxie, you know, and um, other kind of let's call it social robots as a displacement of caregivers?
1: Uh, no, that was, uh, <clears throat> going into it when we were starting a company, I was really worried that that was going to be the stigma that people that we would have to overcome. I i have been super positively surprised by the, uh, uh, open arm invitation for us to participate in all these, uh, kind of environments. Uh, as an example, we work with university of Rochester medical center pediatric care they came to us, and they came with like t- list of ten different applications of where Moxie could be helpful, uh, in from intake of patients uh, to holding the patient's hands while they're going through scary procedures, like MRI scans are scary for children, and you gotta calm them down, say it's gonna be okay, explain to them what the procedure looks like, and so on. And again, uh, the common thread here is. Shortage of staff. So we have nurses that are super busy. There is a shortage of them. They're running around, um, and uh, a lot of these um, things that are important to humans uh, are high touch things. Takes a lot of time. So for a nurse to sit there for an hour to talk to a patient and get them mentally ready for going through a procedure is just not. Uh, Tenable. A hospital cannot afford to have a nurse spend an hour with a patient telling them about what the procedure is, and it's going to be all good, and your family is going to be here, and all that. Uh, And that's where you can have AI, uh, empathetic AI, be closing that gap, as an example. Which is a little bit... uh, I was going to say, it's a bit of a... uh, oxymoron right because humans we are good at human emotions and all these things and we are saying we don't have time for that we're going to have ai feeling for it <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i mean it's a bit of an oxymoron but um i mean your points, your point's well documented around the shortage of nurses a gap that is only widening um maybe uh, uh if if you don't mind kind of sharing a little bit on the R and D side. So what, um, anything you can share on R and D projects currently kind of on deck at Embodied?
1: Oh man, there is no shortage. I mean, we are innovating as much as we were innovating in day one of the company. And especially, uh, when you're in a field that is moving at exponential speed, um, if you do not innovate, you are just gonna be left behind in the dust in a matter of no time. I mean, as we have seen, just to give a reference point, in 2021, when we launched Moxie, we launched it with a language model we developed that had one billion parameters in it, which sounded a lot back then. Uh today we have language models that have close to a trillion parameters in it. Right? I mean, that's how fast we are moving. Yeah. We are moving at a pace of about 200x on performance and about 10x on cost reduction. So combined 2000x in one year, right? And if we are not able to keep up with that, I don't think we are going to exist in a year or two from now. (laughs) So we are innovating like crazy. That's sort of the pace of innovation. Um, and there's many areas, right? So one of the areas that's uh, super interesting for us and it provides tailwinds for us uh, is one of the things that uh, generative AI has unlocked is content. And content is king in Moxie because Moxie needs to be able to engage a child for the long run. So it has to have a variety of content uh, so that the child doesn't get bored, but also to, to personalize or individualize the path for the child. So it doesn't, not every child likes the same topics to talk about. So build manually building all that content is close to impossible. With generative AI, it all of a sudden opens the doors. And now we have a wealth of content, potentially unlimited amount of content that is going to make the product experience so much richer. And we can individualize the experience to every single child, literally individualize as an example, the other part of the Moxie thing is that we have a parent app and we can we interact, the parent app interacts with the parent and asks about the child if there's anything unique they should share. Let's say a parent shares that we are going through divorce right now. This is being very hard on Tommy. Uh, that specific information will be used by Moxie to work on things that are going to help Tommy understand how to manage his emotions through that uh, journey. This is hyper-individualization of experience, right? So this is super powerful. I'm super excited yeah. about that.
0: Yeah, you must be. I imagine um, the, uh, the kind of the widespread adoption uh, of open AI is, is, is making generative AI something that, that more individuals understand and are open to. And uh, I would imagine that's accelerating adoption for you.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, on one hand, it's, it it has two sides to it, right? It's, uh, one side is uh, people are more scared of AI. Uh, so there is huge level of skepticism. It's healthy to have skepticism. It's healthy to have discussions and understand these things. But on the other hand, it's also making it a lot more familiar. Interacting with AI is no longer uh, foreign to us. 100 million people downloaded uh downloaded uh, chat GPT and are interacting with it, right? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh,
0: maybe, maybe on that point, what, what do you see as the uh, key factors contributing to widespread adoption?
1: Um, I really think it's, it's mostly about human-machine interface. Uh, as the interface of machines gets closer and closer to our interface, which is conversation, the easier it becomes to adopt it. Like we have the old example of the old VCRs, clock on the old VCRs. Most homes you would go to the clock was flashing because it was never set because you had to figure out how to set the clock. Yeah. Uh, That is an interface that's not very human, uh, natural to humans conversation and emotions and body language is what how we communicate and the more machines can do that the wider the adoption will become so i think what happened with chat gpt is that they created a text interface which we are very familiar with using language and it's using a medium we message each other all the time on any different app like from slack to sms you name it and that's made it just a available and accessible to everyone that can type. Uh, And the next step is gonna be voice and body language. This is what we are doing, right? We are building human machine interface that's completely natural. Uh, If for instance, if you look at Moxie, the robot, Moxie only has one switch on it and it's the power on and off. Has no other interface other than you. You are the interface. You talk to it, your body language, your intonation of voice, your eye contact, your nodding, and all these things is the interface to Moxie, which makes a five-year-old be able to
0: use it. I love it. I love it. Um, well, uh, Paulo, it's been a great conversation about Embodied, Moxie, and how AI is allowing you to bring an amazing robot uh, to support adolescents dealing with some important um, behavioral and mental health. Um, So as we look to wrap up, I got one final question for you. Uh, You, your company and all your employees focused on improving behavioral health in adolescents. Perhaps you can share, how do you focus on your own mental health?
1: Yeah, that's a uh, tough question. And the honest answer is I'm not very good at it myself. I've become a lot more mindful of that uh, since I started Embodied. I'm definitely a lot better at it in this company than my previous company. But uh, Jay, as I'm sure you know, uh, the life of an entrepreneur is not as uh, as rosy as it's usually glorified to be, right? I mean, and and mental health and anxiety and all these things are very real things on an everyday basis for, for us. For us, we are, uh, you know, every startup uh, for a long time, is going to be uh, on the verge of failure or massive success. And we leave that. That's a reality to us every day. And it can be mentally super challenging. So for me, uh, first of all, my family and spending time with friends is super important. Traveling is super important. Again, time is limited for that. But uh, whenever time allows. And working out, uh, I'm unfortunately not as disciplined as I should be, but I try my best. Uh, and by the way, I I do honestly go into some very deep, dark places mentally sometimes when uh, when the head winds are there, and you're like, "Damn, yet another major obstacle," and so on. I mean, like, I I always tell my team every year, expect there's going to be a completely unanticipated major life-threatening challenge that will happen to us every year it's been my entrepreneurial journey every the last 20 years every year there's going to be a major threat it seems like this year's was svb we had all of our money in svb and uh, there was four or five days where we were like okay uh, we lost all our our money but fortunately didn't Um, so we don't do this uh, for the fun of it we don't do this because it's easy. We do it because we believe it's worth it, right? We, yeah. we believe uh, it's worth it to do something to put your small mark on the world. And that's what drives me. And that's what gets me up every day, right? Every time I'm down, that is what gets me up and says. And then the other thing that gets you up, the, the, the more experience you get, uh, the, the older you get, the more confidence you have that despite the fact that right now it looks like this is like super bad everything is bad you got to reflect on saying well we have figured it out many times over over the last 20 years so yeah the dots will connect somehow right so you, that confidence allows you to propel forward
0: yeah well i would uh i certainly echo your comments or i have uh my experience is similar to yours and that there's always a challenge every year that's unanticipated. I think what keeps me going through many of those is, and I've said this uh, in other interviews, I, have, I share it with my team a lot. When you're confronted with that problem, it may seem big and daunting at the moment, but I generally think it's never as big and as daunting as it initially appears. And I do believe that teams can always accomplish far more than they think is possible, and those two working together can get you past them. Uh, well, Paulo, this has been an, uh, an amazing conversation, and by more than amazing, it's been inspiring. Inspiring to hear uh, where Embodied is and how it's continuing to um, accelerate in in its mission and its market success since we were last together early in at the start of the year. Um, thank you for your time, and thank you for sharing your experience with our listeners. Uh, I'm sure they will enjoy this episode as much as I've I've enjoyed reconnecting with you today. Um, To learn more about the Value-Based Healthcare Podcast, follow Revelier on LinkedIn uh, or visit our website at www.revelier.com to access this episode and previous episodes. And until next time.